Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Fun week. Been crazy. Been good. Been good. And uh, we're just running on supernatural energy and and uh, God is faithful, that's all I can say. A lot of good stuff happening, uh, things are progressing. Frank, Frank Ostraska has been doing a phenomenal job of organizing and keeping things moving over the, over the building. He and Tessa, Frank's the only guy I know that can paint with a paintbrush in one hand, change a doorknob with the other. It's amazing. And tell somebody else what to do. <laughs> we, we're making really, really good progress. We've, uh, the Johnny White over here, Johnny and, and several others, Bill, several guys have been out there this week working on the, uh, and Mike Nybert's been there several times this week, Jeremy, just everybody. I mean, I don't want to leave any names out. But so many people in Thursday night, folks coming out working and stuff, and even the spiders are getting in on it. I got bit by a black widow the other night, but okay, praise the Lord, he's, I'm fine. Spider's dead, but I'm good. Uh, the power in the blood, yeah, that's right. I think it was too much power for him. He just curled up and croaked. Her, whatever it was. But anyway, just a, a lot of good stuff happening, and uh, we are so excited. And uh, it's, it's an incredible place, and we're just so blessed. God, I tell you, folks, the favor of God is just all over this, all over this. I mean, God did this from the very beginning because if that building would have hit the market, somebody would have snatched it up just like that. But God saw God our, our need before it even hit the market and, and, and led us by his spirit to the persons, the people involved, and spoke to their hearts and you can just see God orchestrating the whole thing. And we found out this week when I went to the lawyer's office the other day to get the paperwork for the lease. It's a lease purchase option that we have for one year. And uh, we, we're going to be renting. I'll tell you what it is. It's $4,000 a month. It's $1,000 a week, basically, except for the five-week months. And uh, it sounds like a lot, but God is faithful. He's been faithful through it all. He will provide. But uh, I did not know, I was unaware that, and I thought we were just going to be having to pay rent each month. But I found out Friday when I went to get the lease papers that that payment is going to be going to the principal. It will be, it will be credited to us. When we, and, and I say this in faith, I, I hate to even the thoughts of having to borrow money but I believe God is able to provide. He's able to meet our needs and exceed our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's able to do this. The Bible says he's exceedingly abundantly able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to what? The power that's at work within us, the Holy Spirit that's working within us. God is able to do it. And I believe in God's ability, his supernatural ability. It supersedes our human logic. It supersedes our abilities. God is able to do this. 
And by faith, I believe God is going to do it. The prophet of God said that God was going to give it to us. In other words, it's not going to cost us a whole lot of money. It's cost us a little bit of money what we spend into it. I won't really spend any more than that. I want God to give it to us, and I believe he's able. Amen? But, you know, God needs us to be faithful. He just needs us to be faithful, and you have been, and you continue to be faithful. God's going to take us through some things. I, want to, I wanted to just, God just put this message on my heart all week long. I've been thinking about praise, and I've been thinking about passionate praise versus passive praise. You know, passive praise is kind of like, you know, good job. You did all right. You know, we kind of give God that sometimes, you know, Lord, you, you did good. You know, God, you, you did all right. I mean, I did most of it, but you did all right. You did your part. You gave me the ability and you gave me the strength and you gave me this and you gave me that to do. But at the end of the day, it's all God. We do nothing except what God tells us to do. And we just do what God tells us to do. He'll do the rest. But, but as, I was, as I was thinking about this, I thought about in Judges chapter 20, and it's, this is not even in my notes, but in Judges chapter 20, there's a story of a man, in verses or chapters 18, 19, and 20, there's a story of a man from Gibeah who had a concubine, and he and his concubine were taking a trip, and they went to, uh, went to this place, and, and it's a place of the, of, of, where the Benjamites were. And Benjamites were kind of like in our society today that was full of sodomites and homosexuals and everything else. And, and so when he gets there, there was one of his kinsmen said, hey, come spend the night with us. You don't want to, he was going to just spend the night in the square. He said, don't do that. The men of the city are wicked. You don't want to do that. He said, come spend the night with me. And so he took his concubine and he went to this man's house and he fed his donkey and stuff. And, you know, he and his concubine were having dinner with him. And all of a sudden, the men of the city began to surround the place. And they began to demand that the man send out his kinsmen to them so that they could, could abuse him, basically. And they continued to do so, and they started beating on the doors and everything else. So, so what they did, he said, you know, don't abuse him. Take his concubine. His, what a concubine is, if you don't know what a concubine is, it's nothing like a porcupine. It's a... A concubine was, was basically a wife with no, no rights. She had no uh, rights of inheritance or anything like that. She was just basically property that a man used as, his, as, you know, basically like a sex slave or something, I guess. Or for whatever purposes, you know, wash his feet or whatever, cook for him or whatever. You know, and, and I don't know how all that worked in those days, but that's what she was. And so they... they put her outside with the men of the city and they abused her all night long. And so the next morning when the man gets up and he's getting ready to continue his journey, he goes outside, his concubine is laying on, on the, the porch of the, or the, in front of the door and she's dead. They've abused her to death. And so he wants to send a message to his kinsmen. And so he takes his concubine and he cuts her into 12 pieces to send back to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sends her body parts back to Israel. They're like, what in the world is going, what's all of this about? And so when they found out what had happened, they were just furious. So they knew they had to do something. They had to enact justice upon the situation. So they decided they would go back and take care of the Benjamites. They would go and destroy them. But the Benjamites were not an easy 
group of people to destroy. The Bible says that they were like six or eight hundred of them, and it says they were left-handed, and they could split a hair at a hundred paces with a slingshot. That's pretty, pretty deadly to deal with, you know. And so these guys were, were a force to be dealt with. And so they decided that they were going to go and do this, but they were trying to put together a plan. So they got before the Lord, and they prayed, and they sought the Lord. And so when they started to go into battle against the Benjamites, it says in verse, verse 18, they said, send Judah first. Send Judah first. Now, the word Judah, it, it means praise. His name was derived from praise. And so they said, send the tribe of Judah first. So they put the tribe of Judah out front who were the praisers to go into battle. Now, that's significant because, you know, when we're going into battle, we always want to wait to the end of the battle when we've won the victory to praise. But in this situation, they were to praise the Lord first, and then he would give them the victory. And, and so that's what God has called us to do, to praise him. We praise our way to victory. All the time. And, and one of my favorite psalms is the very last psalm in, in, in uh, Psalm 150. And I want, to, I want us to go there for just a minute and, and look at that psalm. I've kind of broken some things down from it. But in Psalm 150 from the New American Standard Bible, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God. First of all, where? Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise in the Hebrew word. The Hebrew is neshamah. And it literally means a puff, in other words, a wind or angry, vital breath, divine inspiration and, and, and intellect or a blast that, and it means that breatheth or inspiration or soul or spirit. In other words, everything that is inside of you is to be breathed out in praise to God. Everything that is within me, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I love David's demonstration of faith when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back that had been, uh, had, had been stolen basically by the Philistines and abandoned, and they were bringing it back into Jerusalem. Remember, and David in Second Chronicles was just praising the Lord. He was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. He wasn't holding anything back. And then Micah, his, his wife, Saul's daughter, saw him doing it. She looked out the window and saw him just praising God like that, and she thought, oh, how humiliating. Here's the king of Israel acting like a moron out there jumping around, showing his undergarments and everything else before the maidens of Israel. How humiliating. How will I ever face the ladies at the market again? And so when David comes in, she says, you know, how disgraceful and humiliating you act today. Are you proud of yourself that you displayed your armor undergarments to all the maidens of Israel? Are, look at you. You're the king, and you're out there acting like that. You know what David's response was? David was, he's like, how could I not help but praise God that he's allowing the Ark of the Covenant to come back into Jerusalem that had been stolen from us? How could I withhold my praise from him? He said, you think that I acted undignified today? You haven't seen anything yet. I will be more undignified. He was not going to withhold his praise. He's going to keep it all. And how do we praise the Lord? You know, we, 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 we sometimes, I, I, I love what I was hearing just a moment ago. You folks were cutting loose. 
I still believe that you're holding a little bit in reserve, but, but you were cutting loose. I don't know. I'm up here. I can't see you. I sit up on the front row for a reason. I don't care what goes on behind me. I'm up here. I'm worshiping the Lord. So, you know, if I'm dancing or anything else, just get over it because I'm doing it for him. I love him. And, and so we're going to praise him. So we're going to praise God in his sanctuary. What is a sanctuary? It's a place that's set apart. This place is set apart for worship. When we come here, we come here for purpose. We come here to praise God. I mean, worship is one thing, praise is another. Worship is when we bow down before him and we acknowledge him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords and we just, you know, humble ourselves before him. That is worship. But praise, on the other hand, is when we just let it all out to him and just say, God, how great you are. God, how awesome you are. I can't hold it back. Yay, God. That's praise. You know, we go to football games and stuff. We see people praising the athletes. Oh, you're doing good. Go, 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 go. You know, we, 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 don't, we don't have any inhibitions there, do we? My wife used to get old me all the time when Jeremy was playing gray wide basketball. I, I'm sure he probably felt like Michael at times. I wish my dad would not be. So undignified. I mean, this is peewee league, and I'm yelling at the referees and everything else. Are you blind? What's wrong with you? You know, but I was having a good time. But whenever you score a basket or something, I just come unglued. You know, you do something good, or any any of the team, his teammates, man, I just I was all in, and and I'm just that way. I I I love it. I, but when it comes to praising God, there's just something inside of me I can't hold it back. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, if, if, if the music starts going or something, it's just, I can't, I can't hold it back. I mean, my legs just start, it just starts happening. It's just spontaneous. And so when we're in that holy place, that place is set apart for worship. It's not a common place. No, 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 no. It's not a common place. I mean, we have, we have kind of, kind of, taken the sanctuary of God and made it a common place, but it's not. It is a place that is set apart for worship and praise to him. We're inviting him. You know, we, he, he dwells in the praises of his people when we come to that hallowed place and, and we are to praise him in his mighty expanse. Oh, wow. You know, I was out on the beach a few weeks ago catching those big old pompano and man, I was having a good time praising the Lord. Woo! Praise God. <laughs> Having a good time just praising the Lord. But even before that happened, I was praising the Lord because I was looking out just thinking, God, you made all of this. I'm looking around and, and, and I'm just imagining what it would be like without all the condominiums and everything else that were there. Just thinking, God, it's just, you know, I'm in awe of what God has done. You know, we, we've done some pretty amazing things by the power of God and by God's strength and with what intellect he's given us. But the things that God has done himself are just absolutely majestic. Have you ever gone up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and, and maybe gone up to Little Switzerland or something? There's a place that's got an overlook and you can stand over that thing and you can just see for miles and it's just like breathtaking. Or if you go up on top of Mount Mitchell and you climb up on the tower and you look and this is the highest peak east of the Mississippi and you stand up there and you look and you just 
it just takes your breath away because you're above the clouds and everything else and you see all the wonder and everything that God has made. And you praise him in his mighty expanse. You praise him for his mighty deeds. Look what the Lord has done. I mean, just think of all the great things God has done. He has done great things. God has done so much for us. I mean, how can we not praise him? How can we not extol him and the wonders of all that he's done? I mean, he saved us. He saved a wretch like me. And don't you look at yourself and think, well, yeah, that was you, but, you know, I'm pretty good. No, you weren't. You know, the, the, the ground is leveled at the foot of the cross. Every one of us in need of the same Savior. Every one of us just as simple as the other. No matter what we've done. We all need his grace. And the wonder of that, that God would, share, would, would pour out his grace upon us so abundantly, praise him for his mighty deeds, and how God takes care of us, how he heals us, and how he, oh, I, I, just, I could just go on and on and on and tell of all of his marvelous works and everything that God has done. And Psalm 145, verses 10 through 12 says, Thy works, all thy works shall give thanks to thee, O Lord, thy godly ones, that's us, shall bless thee. They shall, and again, that's us, speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men thy mighty acts. Wow. I love to talk about Jesus. I love to talk about all that he's done and all that he's doing and, and just to give God praise and give him glory. It's just amazing. It seems like the more you do that, the more he does. It's just like God loves to show off. I want to tell you that. He loves for us to trust him. He loves for us to call upon him and, and, and to extol his power and his wonders. He loves for us to trust him. He loves for us to prove him. He loves for us to have faith and confidence in him in the middle of everything. Amen? Now, it says to praise him according to his excellent greatness. His excellent greatness. If you don't know what that word excellent means, in, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says it's very good or extremely good. I remember one time we were, um, it was, um, we were having some fish or something, and, and, and I had made some, had cooked some fish, and we were living on the Outer Banks or something, or we were on vacation or something. I can't remember. But we caught some fresh fish, and we were eating them. And, and one of the kids was eating the fish, and I said, is it good? He says, it's not just good. It's very good. I thought, that's God. You know, he's not just good. He's very good. We praise him according to his excellent greatness. He's done great things. He's done beyond anything we can imagine or think. God is so good. God is so awesome. And we praise him according to his excellent greatness. Just say, God isn't just good. He is very good. Amen. Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says, It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness at night. Amen. We thank him in the morning for the things he's going to do throughout the day, and at the end of the day, we thank him for what he's done. Amen. That's why Paul says, Early in the morning I will seek thee. When we get up in the morning, that's the time to seek the Lord before the day begins. 
I tell you, sometimes we get it all wrong. You know, I help people tell me, you know, I'll pray for you tonight when I get on my knees. Well, that's good, and I appreciate that. But I wish you'd pray for me in the morning before I get started. And pray for yourself while you're at it. Martin Luther used to pray four hours a day. Someone asked him one time, says, don't you think that you were denying yourself of valuable time by praying four hours a day? Just think how much more you could get done if you didn't spend four hours a day in prayer. Martin Luther says, I couldn't get anything done if I didn't spend those four hours a day in prayer. I could get nothing done. And, and he, would, he would spend those, that time before the Lord and, and, and because it's a good thing to praise him, to thank him. Then it says, praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. You know what a harp or a lyre is? It's, a, it's an ancient guitar. I think it had more strings than ours do, but anyway, that's kind of the precursor to the guitar. It says, praise him with the timbrel or the tambourine and dancing. You know, I mean, if we go out dancing, I think we ought to go out dancing on Sunday morning. I think we ought to go out dancing when you come into the sanctuary. We ought to praise the Lord with the dance. Don't be afraid, folks, to step out and dance before the Lord. You know, I, encu- I strongly encourage it. Do it. It feels good. You know, and I'm, I'm not talking about, I, I remember one time uh, Mike Manuel, who's ministered here on many occasions. He's ministered for her for a couple of times, but he's preached for me a lot of times. Mike Manuel was talking about back in the 70s when he first started in ministry. He said they did revival up in West Virginia. And he said they were ministering in this one church, and a lot of bikers were getting saved. These guys were coming in, and they didn't know anything about Jesus, but they were so thankful when the Lord saved them. And, and, and he said that one night that, that, that the Holy Spirit just really fell on that place, and people were dancing all over the place. They looked over there, and one of those bikers was standing over in the corner doing the dirty dog. That's all he knew. He was giving God the glory with the dirty dog. I mean, that's all the guy knew. He didn't know how to do anything else before the Lord, but he was giving everything he wanted. And another guy was over there saying, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. And he said after the service that somebody came up to him and began to criticize those two guys. And the pastor stepped in. He said, look. He said, I'll take a sanctified hot dog and a sanctified dirty dog over just standing in the corner with your arms folded saying nothing to give praise to God. They were doing all they knew. He said, one of the guys stood up and said, hell yeah. That's all he knew. He was praising the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm not advocating that, but, you know, if if that's all you know, that's all you know. Give God what you got. He was giving God the glory in the best way he knew how. So praise the Lord. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and, and pipe, which is the flute. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. You know, it just, when somebody says this to me, I want to tell you folks, it just, just so you'll know. When somebody says to me, you know, pastor, that music's too loud. And that drummer, he just plays those drums too loud. It just, something just crawls all over me. I'm like, you just better be glad I'm not back there. I'd be riding that high so loud. 
loud clanging cymbals to give glory to God. I mean, why does it not bother us that, that we want to just reduce God down and simmer him down and just hold God in control, you know? Like, we got to be all dignified and everything else. When praise has nothing to do with dignity, it has praise. Of, praise is about letting everything that's within us express itself yes. in praise and glory to God. Yes. If, if I'm ruining somebody's theology, God will help you get over it. But this is Bible. That's what the Bible says. Everybody say, is that in the Bible? It is. It's right here. Right here in Psalm 150. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now take a good deep breath. Now praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. There's a deficit of passion. There's a definite, the deficit of passionate praise in the church. They ought to be able to hear us, not just on the other side of the campus. They ought to be able to hear us on the other side of the city when we worship the Lord. I'm serious. They ought to wonder what's going on. You know, uh, John Wesley said, if I can find a hundred men who will set themselves on fire, then everybody else will come and watch them burn. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that passion that we have for God. And I believe that God is calling us to that place, the passionate praise. And the second, in Second Chronicles in, in the Old Testament, there's, a, there's an example of victory of, uh, through praise that's found in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat was one of the good guys. He was one of the good kings. And, and he, he, the, the one mark against Jehoshaphat in all of his ministry was when he made a, 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 an alliance with Ahab, the, the wicked king of Israel. I think he learned his lesson through that, but he had, he had gotten over that. But here's a situation where Jehoshaphat gets word that these, these tribes that hated Israel and hated especially Judah were coming against them. They were the sons of Ammon. Remember the Ammonites that withstood Israel when they were coming through to the, on the way to the promised land? They wouldn't let them pass through. They hated them. Then there was the Moabites. Y'all know who the Moabites are? You have any idea? They were born illegitimately. They were the sons and daughters of Lot through his incestuous relationships with his daughters. They'd gotten him drunk after they had left Sodom and Gomorrah and they were hiding out in a cave and they began to reason among themselves, how are we going to have any children? There are no men around. So they got their father drunk and they both committed sex acts with him and became pregnant and had children. These were the offspring, the Moabites. And then they were coming against them. And then there were the, the men of Mount Seir who had come against Judah. And, and, and there were so many of them that when Jehoshaphat heard about it, it says that he was afraid. He was afraid. And so he began to pray and fast. The Meunites, I'm sorry, I, I said the, the son, men of Mount Seir, but they was, these were the Meunites. They come to wage war against uh, Jehoshaphat. When he got heard of it, he was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. 
And the Lord heard his prayer, and he gave Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the following battle, battle plan through a prophetic word to a young man by the name of Jehaziel. And he said the following, he said, Listen, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. Everybody say this with me. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Say that again. The battle is not yours, but God. I think we ought to say that one more time because you're just about to get it. The battle is not yours, but God's. Did you hear that? I mean, I need somebody to say it loud enough so everybody else can hear it. The battle is not yours, but God's. So he says, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. And verse 17 says, and say this with me, you need not fight in this battle. Why? Because the battle's not yours. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand up and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them. Say this with me. For the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his, with his head and his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites from the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, and they were very quiet. What it says? They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. Not just a loud voice. A very loud voice. With an excellent voice. They exhaled in their praise before God. They gave it all they had and they worshiped the Lord. And this is where it really gets good. And they rose up early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Say this with me. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Now what does it mean when we're established? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. It means we're firmly planted. We're established. We're not going anywhere. We're not giving ground. We're moving forward. You will be established. Put your trust in the Lord. What are we standing on? When you're standing in your trust in the Lord, you're standing on solid footing. You're not going anywhere. Your enemy's getting ready to get a butt kicking. That's what's happening. When you're established, when you put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised in him, him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. 
And when they began singing and praising the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah so that they were routed. It wasn't close. It wasn't even close. It was a rout. God fought their battle for them, and all they had to do was to stand and put their trust in the Lord and praise Him. Now, we want to praise the Lord after the battle is over with. We want to thank God for the victory. Woo-hoo, God, you did it! But God is calling us to praise Him before the battle, when we go into battle, in the middle of the battle, and after the battle is over, he wants us to praise him. We're to exalt him and glorify him and praise him in his excellent greatness. We're to tell of his wonderful deeds. You see, praise being, brings about victory. When we praise, we exalt God above our circumstances and situations. We declare that all that is within us, that he is greater than any problem that we can face. How great is our God? How big is your problem? Think about it. How big is your problem? Whatever problem you're facing, financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, What's greater, you and your problems or God? Come on. God is greater. When we praise him, we excel him above our problems and we say, Lord, I trust you. I will not be moved. I am firmly established. My praise and my hope is in the Lord. I will praise him. I'll praise him with my heart. I'll praise him with my whole being. I'll praise him with every breath that I have. God always comes through when we do that. Paul and Silas, we talked about that a little bit this morning. You brought it up. Kevin brought it up downstairs in our purple book study about Paul and Silas, and they were... In, 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 I believe it was in Athens, was it? And they were going around preaching the gospel, and this little girl was coming along behind them, and she had this spirit of divination. In other words, she, you know, she could see things in the spiritual realm, but it wasn't of God. And she was going along behind them, and what she sang sounded good. She, oh, hear these men. They are servants of the Most High God. Hear them, hear them. And, and you know, after a while, it got on Paul's nerves. He realized what was going on, and he wasn't going to let that evil spirit claim any of the glory from God. And he turned, and he cast the spirit out of her. And what happened when he cast the spirit out of her? She lost that spirit of divination. She couldn't tell the future anymore. She couldn't read palms anymore. She was making money for her, her slave owners. And they got rather upset with Paul and Silas because of what they had done. And they could see. And they, they began to accuse them and bring accusations against them. Said, these men are bringing derision and confusion in our city. And they are destroying our way of life. So they took them. And they put them in jail. And they made sure, said, put these men in a place where they can't cause any more trouble. So it says they put, put them in the center of the building. What do you think that might have been? That's probably down in the very dungeon. So Paul and Silas are in the dungeon. And when they're there, they put them in stocks and bonds. In other words, they could not move. They were just like, you know, kind of like one of those 
pictures you see in the old movies where somebody's hanging down in a, <laughs> their feet in stocks and bonds. And you would think in a situation like that, that they would begin to complain and moan and groan and everything else. But they didn't. Sometimes I wonder if Elvis didn't get inspiration for Jailhouse Rock from that story. I don't know. It's a thought. Gonna be a party in the county jail. Verse 22 in Acts chapter 16, it says, and, and the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they inflicted, inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, which is the dungeon, and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. They were singing loud enough that all the other prisoners could hear them. It says, and the other prisoners were hearing them and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. You know, what, what stands out to me that it wasn't just Paul and Silas's chains that were unfastened. Everyone in the prison were affected by it. And the jailer comes up, and he draws out his sword, and he's getting ready to fall on it. And they said, don't do such a thing. And he says, ah. you know, he knew what awaited him if they escaped. He said, all the prisoners are here. What does this mean? He said, well, and he began to share the gospel with him. He said, what do I do? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your whole household. And that night, the jailer took them in and dressed their wounds and everything else. And his whole family got saved that night. You see, praise brings about victory, not only for those that that praise the Lord, but everything around us is affected when we praise the Lord. Uh, I know y'all have heard this story. I can't help but tell it, though. I love to tell it. I just... I, I love to tell what God has done. And I, I, I just, the, the day that I had, I had been going through treatment for hepatitis C, and, and it was horrendous, horrible stuff that I was having to take. My wife can tell you, I was a sick puppy. And they called me after 10 months. I was two weeks away from being at the end of the treatment. And they call me up and they tell me, you know, Dr. Vez, I'm sorry, but the treatments haven't done you any good. There were 17 in the clinical study and 15 of them that helped, but you and one other person are the only ones that didn't help. And immediately my spirit just went for about two seconds. And then when it hit the very depths of my soul, something rose up. And I remembered an old song that I used to sing and I started singing it. I mean, it just came out of my spirit, you know, when you're up against the struggle, and it shatters all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Just praise the Lord. God can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord, for our God inhabits praise. 
And the second verse was just like the first one, kind of it says, and Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself, that we are children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen, and the work is already done, so praise the Lord. And I started praising the Lord. I was singing that song. My neighbors must have thought I had lost every marble I ever had. I was singing it as loud as I could. And I sang it over and over and over. And these hymns and songs of praise just started coming out of my spirit, singing, look what the Lord has done. He saved me, healed me, turned my life around. He set my feet on solid ground. Look what the Lord has done. I started singing these songs and, 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 and victory in my spirit overtook what was going on in my flesh. And I want to tell you, I stand before the Lord today whole, completely, totally healed in Jesus' name because of what God has done. I could have gotten in the flesh and started whining and crying. said, oh God, why have you failed me? God never fails. He doesn't know how to fail. He never fails. You may fail. Your flesh may fail. But God is forever faithful. And when we praise him and extol his greatness and his goodness, when we stand upon the integrity of his promises and we praise him with everything that we got within us, then the devil has no, no recourse but to flee in a rout. And I love it. I love it. Well, the Bible says that when we humble ourselves before him and we draw near to him, that the devil has no recourse but to flee. And that's what he is, a flea. He has, he cannot stand in the presence of God. He can't. And when we praise him, victory is at hand. I don't care what you're going through. It doesn't matter. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm not going to cry with you. I'm sorry. Just not going to do it. I will encourage you. I'll give you the word. I'll pray with you. I'll stand in faith with you. But I will not feel sorry for you. Did you hear me? I will have empathy for you, but I will not have sympathy for you. Because God has given us the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. And God wants us to stand in victory. He wants us to stand firmly established. Knowing as we extol him, as we praise him, as we glorify him, that victory is at hand. And I want to tell you something. Victory's at hand. Let's worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.